Hello, world, and welcome to the second Pink Bike Podcast. I'm here with Brian Park again, Mike Casimer. He's another tech editor, and we have James Smurthwaite with us. He's our news manager. We're going to talk today about the Grim Donut. We're going to cover some riding impressions after that uh, awfully mean April Fool's prank that a lot of people are upset about. First, we're going to cover some news bits, including the big one today, Trust Closing Down Operations. James? Yeah, this is all part of um, the the effects Corona's uh, having on the industry. It seems it's taken its first big victim in trust. I don't think we want to dwell too much on the negatives, but yeah, trust trust unfortunately is uh, is, is ceasing operations. So they're they're shutting down. Did they they specifically cited the corona as the cause of that? Yeah, I mean they basically they the factory delays and kind of supply chain shutdowns that started earlier when the coronavirus was just uh, basically in in China uh, that kind of led to. To where they are now um, couldn't get parts and then then there's the economic crisis as well a lack of money basically so basically ran out of money and for now they're ceasing operations so it's too bad yeah. to see timing timing for them probably couldn't have been worse i guess a relatively new company uh most important most difficult years and then this yeah exactly we've definitely seen some um positives at least from coronavirus or some some glimmers of a hope at least you know, Kitsbo and, and Santini uh, helping producing sort of protection masks, monkey sauce, uh, producing alcohol gel. But yeah, it kind of remains to be seen what the, the sort of long term effects of this will be. Well, it won't be good, but it is nice to see that mountain bike brands are, are stepping up to help. For sure. So um, I guess let's not dwell on it. Let's talk about tech instead. Um which is something a, a bit more uh, positive, I guess. So some things we saw this week, uh, the AXS uh, tracking tool, it sort of tracks your uh, number of shifts and your, your dropper post usage. What, what do we think of that? Is that something people would use? Man, well, it sure got people riled up in the comments. There seem to be a lot of people that are, I mean, predictably resistant to the, the electronics on their bikes. I think it's neat. I mean, it records how many times you've shifted, how many times you've used your seat posts. It, coordinates with the tire whiz as well keeps track of your tire pressure i don't know i think it's pretty neat kaz yeah i mean if you already shelled out the thousands of dollars for having wireless electronic shifting you might as well have some extra features in the app and just make it you know they're little things you can kind of look at and just sort of interesting it's not it's obviously not for everybody but those people aren't going to buy access drivetrains either so um i think yeah the, the more progress they can make on that front they might as well yeah, I think one of the neat functions, it's it's not quite ready yet, but when it is, it'll be the ability to overlay that shift and dropper post data over a map. So you could see, you could look at a map, you could see, you know, I was in this gear here and the last couple rides I was in a different gear or, you know, however you want to use that information. I don't know. I think it's interesting, but I'm a bit of a dork that way. Yeah. You also made a good point that it's it lays the groundwork for uh, more deeply integrated stuff in the future if they can bring suspension into it yeah specifically the shock whiz so it's it talks to tire whiz right now and i mean it's i'm assuming sram didn't say but i'm assuming it's only a matter of time till shock whiz is coming into play there so from sort of electric uh, innovation to maybe mechanical innovation um did you guys see that o-chain uh, press release yeah basically it's a device that's designed to eliminate the feel of pedal kickback so your your chain ring has movement to it um, instead of being fixed in place. So basically what how I would say to people is that your your chain, the forces going through your drivetrain, keep the suspension from working entirely freely all the time, no matter what suspension you have. That's just how it is. And this lets the chain ring rotate 
so that the chain has much less of an effect on the suspension. Am I right? I think James, something something along those lines. Yeah, along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen. I mean, I guess this all stems from we saw Gwyn win that World Cup without a freaking chain on his bike, like a wild man. And then there was that canyon thing from years ago where you could shift onto the dummy gear. Neat stuff. I guess that's one we'll uh, we'll want to test ourselves before we uh, make too many judgments on, right? Yeah, we'll get one of those coming in. And I think actually we were talking about doing a, a blind video test on that. I mean, I think that's really the only real way to do that and be fair about it. Awesome. Let's talk tyres. Dan Sapp uh, reviewed the new Terravale tyre this week. Um, I think you can boil it down to... Um, looks like a, a minion, cost like a minion. Can you see that, that sort of duopoly being broken anytime soon? Definitely not. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, those big brands are you know, at the top of the game for a reason. It's hard to hard to make a mark when you have, you know, brands like Maxxis and Schwalbe kind of on the majority of bikes. But it's cool to see these other smaller companies giving it a try. Yeah, it's they got an uphill battle. I think people, I mean, we're addicted to the hot patch. We also, to be fair, like we know the Maxxis minion just the damn thing works and Schwalbe's got some great things that work and we know that. So because they're known quantities, I mean, if it doesn't say that on the side, it's a hard sell, I think. So uphill battle. Yeah. I mean, that's a tires are, uh, you spend, put down a hundred bucks. It's a, on an unknown quantity and nothing's worse than like, Oh, I got to run these tires that aren't as good as my last set of tires for the next. And I, I'm, you know, I spent the money. I'm not going to just throw them away, but it sounds like that tire veil is pretty good tire. So nice to see at least, competition absolutely some more uh, new product from yoshimura uh they're making their first move into the mountain bike world with a flat pedal the yoshimura crazy yeah yeah it's them and yeah i was talking to him and basically the i think it's the current president of the company is way into mountain biking so he's been like after hours kind of firing up the cnc machines and started making these flat pedals and decided to enter the market uh they didn't really have plans to go too big into it it's just kind of like more of a passion side project but they're stoked on mountain biking and so now you can have uh flat pedals that match your titanium carbon fiber exhaust system on your yamaha or suzuki and they're us made not inexpensive though yeah they're not cheap i think uh, just a little bit under 200 dollars each but it's you know they look nice i've got a set they got some they have two platform sizes so yeah kind of cool see a new little company starting up have you put any time in on that yet kez yeah i've got a few rides i mean they're flat pedals they feel like flat pedals but <laughs> no the, the shape is decent you know they got enough grip like i said in my little write-up like i gave it an eight out of ten out of uh, as far as grip goes on my not so scientific uh grip scale but uh yeah i think they're good they kind of fall in the middle ground as far as size goes and grip as well my pedals are pretty grippy too they never my feet never slip off oh they're clipless so yeah i use those kind too sometimes <laughs> adult pedals we got a um a first real glimpse of uh forestal's um production bike uh as well uh forestal you may remember sort of swayed cedric gracia away from santa cruz i know he's on board as a partner there they've aimed at this uh sort of lighter e-bike territory that sort of the levo sl is in for example the weight is comparable to the Levo SL, but the motor's a bit powerful. There's a bit more travel. And uh, it's also got this computer in the top tube that will track your ride and G-forces and heart rate and things like that. So far, we've only seen sort of concept images. But, you know, if this comes to light, it looks like it could be a contender. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that it's the, the claimed weight, the claimed power, the claimed features at this point. You know, we haven't seen anything yet i'm it's pretty it's pretty impressive if they can pull it off what they're claiming but uh yeah time will tell it's definitely an interesting time with e-bikes right now where you see 
You've got one hand, these little bit lighter weight things. They seem to be under 40 pounds, generally the lighter weight ones. Well, the heavier ones are, you know, mid to high 40s, I think, and, you know, more power, more battery life. Yeah, interesting. We'll see which, which one ends up being the most popular. And then, of course, we couldn't really uh, move on without talking about April Fool's. Did any, any of them get you? Yeah, any of them you, that stood out to you? I don't believe anything I see on the internet, so no, nothing tricked me. <laughs> and and everybody listening, don't believe anything you see on the internet either. So Infowars Levy over here. Especially if Levy wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> Kaz, I think uh, I think you win it for me, Kaz, with your uh, your tire pressure system. PSI yeah, inserts. It's available now. Yeah, it's for sale. If anybody wants to, I'll set up a Venmo. You can just send me $420. Send that my way. Casimir? That was so well written. I could tell you've written a bunch of like terrible, cheesy, or not written, but had to deal with a bunch of terrible, cheesy. And you yeah, I feel like yeah, all your I feel like over there. The, yeah, over the last eight years or so, I've read, I've read and written some uh, interesting things. So, yeah, it was good. It's always a fun day. There were some good ones. We saw Industry Nine had a little volume knob they, for their hubs, so you can change the hub noise, which is pretty clever. That's my favorite. Was there. Uh, I'd go full well, max volume for sure. Yeah, I would yeah. go full min, full min volume. I'm, I don't know. Yeah, me I too. I do that anyways. I can't stand noisy hubs. But uh, well, and then obviously the grim donut. I was gonna say, didn't you actually did quieten down some some of those i nine hubs with a different? Yeah, groups, uh, it's right? pretty simple. Like, yeah, if people out there have i nine hubs that are driving crazy, you can put some uh, Dumontech free hub oil, or actually their free hub grease in there. Um, depends. The oil they say it makes it noisier, but if you put enough oil in there, it does make them quieter, and it lasts a while. So. I, I run mine completely dry, clean them with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. <laughs> Please don't. They, they don't last long, but man, are they loud. No, really, I, don't, yeah. I don't do that. Nobody nobody listen to me. Don't do that either. Yeah. I, I quite like the trick stuff one as well. Uh, what was that? Yeah, that was good. Make your own brake pads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's clever for this post-apocalyptic scenario anyways. Yeah, it was really detailed instructions and it showed photo by photo how to make your own brake pads. You kind of chop up the stuff and put it on. You heat it up with a torch. Like, it was really well done. Sounds yeah. like such a liability. <laughs> yeah, I mean, April Fool. <laughs> Speaking of liabilities, though. <laughs> yeah, do we owe people an apology? Uh, no. I don't like apologizing even when I'm wrong. So, yeah, I think everybody everybody will forget that everybody will forget about this terrible prank when part two actually does come out. So for the people that don't know, we we launched Grim Donut part one, which is where we went to Taiwan and made a bike for a tongue in cheek video about a bike from the future. And we've actually produced the bike and we launched that video a few months ago and people really liked it. Thank God. And uh, have been blowing us up for part two ever since. And. For April Fools, obviously we can't film right now with the with coronavirus and yeah, so obviously lots of challenges there. We don't have part two done, but for April Fools, we launched Grim Donut Part Two as a little update on where we're at with the project, and it it got a lot of people. I got a lot of angry direct messages on Instagram. I got a great Photoshop of Satan with my face on it, and the <laughs> message was, "You're a real asshole." So shout out to that guy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel yeah, like we think, had to do it. We had to do it. It's, yeah. We had to do it to him. I, I don't yeah. think we had a choice. No. But everybody, I do apologize. And it will be worth it when this thing comes. But we couldn't not do this to you guys. So the Grim Donut filming, obviously, it's been a bit slower than a lot of people would have liked. There's a lot of challenges there. So 
the couple reasons why it's been taking so long. I mean, the first thing is obviously with the coronavirus, it's impossible or near impossible to film. So that's obviously put a big delay on there. But we were also in Sedona for two weeks for the field trip. We've got to edit all these field trip videos. Half of those have to still come out. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on behind the scenes. And it it does just take. It takes a lot longer than people think to make to make these videos. Especially, it's not it's not just a, a POV helmet cam or something. It's a the Grim Donut deserves us to do it to to do it right. So sorry it's taken so long, but it's taken long. When we make a good video, the next one has to be like at least nearly as good. <laughs> the curse of the sophomore album. That's exactly. We should have done a worse job and then maybe we would have had part two done already. So I think one thing we should talk about, we've we've definitely made a lot of people angry, but let's talk about the Grim Donut a bit. I wanted to actually talk about a little bit about how it rides. So we have done some filming for part two, some testing. I have ridden the bike a couple of times. They've been shuttle runs. Yeah, guys. You didn't pedal up the hill? It's got that super steep seat angle. Yeah, I, uh, well... You know, we wanted to expedite the testing on that day, so we just did a handful of shuttle runs. I'm not looking forward to pedaling it up the hill. I suspect it will be terrible because the seat angle is like 100 degrees or something. It's like past vertical. It's the um, future. Yeah. But uh, no, I did not ride it uphill, Casmer. Do you really – Here, here's the question. Like, Do you think when with climbing mm-hmm. that your riding style and brain – will adjust to it and it'll be able to handle say legacy climb which is just like a flow trail climb it's like the standard climb in squamish do you think that climbing it up there will be geometry wise would be an issue well i'm riding very different bikes all the time like every other week i'm on something else and we always have to adjust and i mean every time somebody else gets a new bike they're having to adjust too so yeah i think if i was Having to climb this thing up there twice a week, three times a week, I eventually would adjust. I think the challenges would be obviously the wheelbase. The bottom bracket height is, what is it? Is it 12 inches, Brian? It's something uh, like. I don't well, I don't think about things in bottom bracket height. It's bottom bracket drop, man. Well, either way, it's too low. It has all the drop. <laughs> it, has, <laughs> it has all of the drop. And again, that length. Like it's not going to be easy for sure. That's why I put um. That's why I put 150 mil cranks on children's bike cranks on it. So children's you wouldn't, cranks. Yeah, so you wouldn't hit your pedal so much. And you know, I know how much you love lockouts. So if you lock it out, it'll keep that BB a little higher. Yeah, exactly. So speaking yeah. of hitting pedals, when we went out to do some testing and we did a little bit of filming as well too, I think I went down the trail maybe 300 feet a couple of occasions and i hit the pedals like i almost scorpioned so hard one time because a pedal strike a lot of times if you catch a rock you just drop you just stop and yeah i hit it i don't know three or four times at least that's the future i'm just the reason i asked the question about you getting used to it is i feel like if you had ridden a norco optic i know if i've ridden the current norco optic in 2011 Mm -hmm. or, or 2010 or something I probably would have dragged its climb performance, but now it's totally normal and I, it's a great climbing bike. And but just like my expectations are different, and my riding style is different. Yeah, yeah, I I I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't actually. I don't think I agree with that one though, because like it's climb performance on a bike. These slacker bikes, it's just all about the other numbers making up for it. You know, like if you're in a comfortable upright position, I don't think it climbs any worse than something with a steeper head angle on a shorter overall length to a point. I think maybe the 57 degree on the head angle on the Grim Donut might be a factor, but 
Yeah. It's also, yeah. it's, it comes down to approach a lot. I know Casimir, you and I argue about, well, we talk about this heatedly sometimes. It depends <laughs> yeah. what you want your climbing to be. I enjoy having to flail up like a super technical single track and trying not to dab. And obviously a, a steeper head angle is going to help me there. It's not the only number. They all work together. How does it help you? Well, I mean, the bike is shorter. The bike handles quicker, of course. But what if everything was the same and just all the numbers are the same except the head angle magically? Wait, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't happen. No, but what if it was? No, it, it's it's the wheelbase. It's a, I mean, you can't have a slacker head angle without the wheelbase getting longer. So No, but if you had two just bikes... Just up that top tube, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just top another 20 mils off the rear end. No, for yeah. sure. If, you, if you're climbing, it's just about getting to the top of the mountain. I could see something like Grim Donut being just fine for a lot of people. I'm going to put some, I'm going to throw an anonymous, anonymous person under the bus, but I did, there is somebody in the bike industry who's a very smart person who once tried to, uh, who's involved with bike design, who once tried to convince me that, uh, the future was running shorter top tubes and slacker head tube angles, and then longer stems to get your, to get your, uh, like saddle to bar length the same. So that he was like, it's the best of all worlds. You get this, you get that short reach, you get a slack head tube angle, and your hands stay in the same place. Name and shame, name and shame. No, (laughs) no, that's too mean. That's too mean. We've all had, we've all had bad ideas. Just because we're publicly, publicly exposing all of your bad ideas with the grim donut doesn't mean that (laughs) this person deserves that. Yeah, I think if I mean, if you went back ten years and you looked at the bikes we're riding now and the geo we're using now, I think not having ridden them, you would look at that and you would think this bike is going to climb like shit. And we still don't know. So we'll find out eventually. I have my suspicions. But... <laughs> yeah, I do too. We'll see. <laughs> How about going down? You went down, so you made it 300 yards. You crashed or you almost crashed twice because of a little bottom bracket. But average ride. Did you, did you turn any corners? I definitely turned some corners. There are things going on on the front end for sure. If you're not going fast, that front end feels very strange. It takes a very firm hand obviously you know the faster you go and the steeper it gets so there's a couple sections a couple steep sections on the trail that we rode and i rode them a few times for filming and i think like on the third or fourth try i went through both of those sections faster than i ever have on any other test bike in my life i should clarify it felt faster yeah i'm gonna have to get the timing the the clock out and get some stopwatch things the clock never lies Uh, all right so cornering still to be determined, but you feel faster. And then I guess the big question, a lot of people have been asking, how's that thing jump? Uh, well, I would be lying if I told you that it jumps well, but I only don't know because I'm too scared. Oh, to huck the flat. People want the huck the flat. <laughs> I know. I, I am nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. So this thing, it's built by Genio. They've put it on the test rigs. It's been tested. It should be strong enough, but I look at that thing and the head tube looks like it's already peeling off so i haven't left the ground yet we'll get you one of those dne suits that's the full top and bottom zip up and we'll put you in that do you guys remember the suit that this guy made some crazy guy he made like a bear bear attack proof suit yeah that would be good <laughs> i want that one uh we'll okay. find one of those i feel like i need that one of the challenges with for every every brand that tests bikes is that before before a bike gets sent out uh, a test mule gets sent out is that they it'll pass the EN testing, like the sort of the industry standard testing for, is this thing strong enough to sell? But that kind of happens in isolation, the way that they do those tests. 
So for example, having this much slacker head tube angle is going to put more force than the test assumes into that. And now also those tests are kind of, they don't really represent real riding very well. It's laboratory tests. Yeah. And it's lab tests and it's, it's tests that maybe aren't up to date with today. We expect trail bikes to do a lot more than we expected trail bikes to do 10 years ago, you know, and these, yeah. these things are very like slow moving, big industry type things. So yeah, it's, this bike has passed all the te- all the tests like by a, they overshoot the test by a long ways but every company when they have a new mule is a little bit they're tentative when they start when they start their testing for sure a lot of times too brian those prototypes that come are are quite overbuilt as well mm-hmm. too when they're testing things like geometry you just want the frame to stay together you know you want you don't want your rider to get hurt obviously totally and but yeah i guess the point is there's only so much you can do in theoretical modeling or in the lab at some point you you put it out into the real world and then man i feel for i feel for a lot of these engineers when they're watching their guys or their athletes at rampage or something just how could you enjoy that event it's stressful enough as it is but then watching <laughs> watching your athlete ride the grim grim donut yeah that's real world testing leave you for rampage uh Please no, please no, <laughs> especially, especially on the Grim Donut. <laughs> you get humbled on the Grim Donut at Rampage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, I just want to say too, with all the things that are happening right now with the coronavirus and all that stuff, I mean, I don't want to get hurt right now. So obviously I have not been sending it on this bike. I haven't been sending it on any bike. There are so many challenges going on right now for, for so many people in the industry. It feels silly for us to complain about not being able to film the Grim Donut, but that is a really disappointing thing for me because we've, you know, we've put so much into this so far and obviously people want to see it. So yeah, yeah, they're just going to have to deal with uh, us telling them about it for now. <laughs> and when it comes, it'll be worth it. Promise. Yeah. 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 Hopefully before next April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good goal. It's a very goal. <laughs> I guess we can get kind of get into like how the, I mean, a little more behind the scenes since we don't really have a ton of riding impressions going to, but how the bike itself came to be like those geometry numbers look wacky, but how did, how did those, you know, how did everybody arrive at those? So those numbers, they're definitely wacky compared to most of the things out there in production land, but other bikes have used numbers, you know, kind of similar ish in the past. We've seen world cup downhillers with head angles right around that area. Uh, Obviously I'm not a world cup downhiller, um, and then we've seen geometry from, you know, Chris Porter. We've seen it from Mondraker as well. They were some of the first eight or nine years ago now with that forward geometry. Casmer, what we had one of those bikes was that a, that was a Dune, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, we had that Mondraker Dune back in 2014, and that's when they were still using the super short stem. I think it had a 20 mil or maybe even a zero millimeter stem on that one. Um, I think it was, so that yeah, was 2014. Yeah, we had a size medium we were testing down in Sedona back then, and had a 460 reach in 2014, which. Um, that's the number that only in the last year or two has become kind of the norm. So they were definitely ahead of the curve as far as their geometry thoughts were. Shout out Mondraker. Yeah, totally. They, they, they deserve, they deserve a lot of, uh, accolades for that. They didn't, you know, they didn't get it quite right. They didn't steepen that seat tube angle to match. They just lengthened the top tube. The, the concept was that they, they added 60 mils of top tube and took away 60 mils of stem, which is kind of where we're at now. It just like that wheelbase quite a bit. Um, and they just said, don't worry about the wheelbase, which was pretty groundbreaking for, I think 2012 was when they first announced it. So they'd obviously been working on it since 2010. So in, in a way they were 
close to 10 years, eight years ahead of the curve on, on geometry, you know? Yeah. In a lot of ways, which is pretty impressive. I do remember riding that bike though. And thinking to myself, this feels strange, which brings us back to the geometry conversation we were having, you know, when all of a sudden you're riding the future, the future doesn't feel so great, maybe, you know? Yeah. And also the future is not always right. You got to wrap your head around it a bit. That's what I was asking about. Yeah. Like, well, the Mondraker, you know, that had a really short stem. And then the next year or two after that, they kind of realized that, oh, a 40 millimeter stem will work better. And we can kind of adjust some numbers. Like they're on the right path. They just had to tweak some things. And so now, you know, seat tube angles got a little steeper. Stems actually got a little longer, but not, you know, they're still all sub 50 millimeters. And that kind of, for right now, seems like the sweet spot. So yeah, a lot of times the future feels weird, but then you just got to change a couple other things and then it feels a little more regular. Yeah, I remember the front of that bike feeling, I should put it this way, I felt ridiculously confidence inspiring. I mean, a lot like the donut, actually. It felt very confidence inspiring at high speeds and in the steeps. I mean, on the slows. On the slow sections, that zero stem, the axle out there, it didn't feel all that great. The front end pushed. It felt like it lost traction a little bit, um, which are some of the things that I've I felt with the donut. But, I mean, we're kind of using that geometry right now for Mondrake or similar anyway. So mm-hmm. maybe we're on to something. I feel like it'd be interesting to get one of those early Mondrakers and compare it to some of the bikes today and see if it's our brains that have changed. Or if bikes, if they did overshoot some things and those refinements needed to happen to That's get to where we are. That's a great idea. Something like, a, something where we could trace the geometry from, you know, we used to be here and then it did this and then it did this. Eventually we're here, we get three or four bikes and yeah, that would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if we get three of the size larges and then just kind of go, you know, there's a size large from this year, from this year, from that year. And then we can kind of, we'll compare and contrast. So Grim Donut aside... Aside from the Grim Donut, were things pushed? Were, was anybody pushing it too far back then? You mean back in the day, were numbers too far, like ten years ago? Back with those with the Mondraker, like eight years ago, when things started getting long and started changing, and things some things started being weird. Did mm-hmm. anybody take it too far? It's hard. I don't, it's hard to. If they did, I don't remember them because they're gone now because it didn't catch on. But you know, I think that even some of those early Mondrakers probably were too long in the top tube. Sizing was a little weird, but. Other brands, I think it still took them a couple years after that to catch on. I would say no. You know, I've been, a, you know, well, you guys have too, but we've heard so many times about this This new bike is the greatest bike ever and it's the perfect XYZ and we everything's revolutionary, etc. And every year, five or every couple of years later, we go, we go, oh yeah, it was too long and too slack, except for maybe this, this Mondraker, but um in general and yeah the last 20 years i can't think of any sort of major production examples of bikes that we've gone like oh nope that was way too far in in that direction anyways yeah and i asked that question because a lot of people said that about the geometrons about the Mm -hmm. poles which came after the geometrons you know even today like if a if a poll article goes up or a geometron article goes up there'll be comments on there about this geometry being too far, for sure. And you've had a big about face. I have actually, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I I still think I'm not wrong about some of the things and some of the ideas, but it's definitely clear to me that mountain biking is easier when we're using the geometry that we're using now as opposed to the geo that you know we were using four or five years ago. I was looking at some of those older bikes and large Ripley 
I think it was around 400 millimeter reach. Like what? You know? And you love that bike though. That's I the did. thing, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that people need to remember is there's not one thing that's the best ever. And like, we're all just out on kids bikes, having fun in the woods. So just because your bike doesn't have a 60 degree head angle and a 500 mil reach for a small, it's fine. Like that's, you know, we're, we're able in a spoiled position where we get to try all these bikes and see what works best for us. But the reality is we've, we've been having fun since, since mountain bike was invented and those bikes, you know, it's just, just something to keep in mind before we go too deep down like your bike's wrong because it doesn't have the maximum amount of offset and all that stuff come on man it's the minimum amount of offset god how do you even ride minimum, that i know sorry yeah i'm gonna, we're gonna turn the uh, <laughs> turn the lowers backwards so that it can be negative offset it's the future well, this that's People a story sure get stuck up on those numbers though especially yeah. the offset numbers which i think a lot of people have no idea what offset they're actually using yeah when i'd, I'd be willing to bet a lot of people couldn't tell yeah do you want to tell people what I asked you guys to do or to try for the Grim Donut with Offset? So Brian wanted us to run the fork crown for the RockShox Lyric in reverse. To get zero offset or yeah. closer to zero offset. Unfortunately, it doesn't work because at full compression, the brake arch or the arch uh, smacks the crown. So you can't do that for anyone that was thinking about doing that. Bad idea. Do not do that. Half measures. Why didn't we get the Dremel out? Come on, boys. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. This is prototyping. We got to take these risks. Yeah. The uh, the other idea was to get a Manitou and then turn it around so that the, the arch was in the front. Yeah. Version 2.0 of the Grim Donut will have some. There's still plenty of things we can do. We also could have done an inverted fork and turned it around as well. That would have been good. There was a lot of people that wanted to see a linkage fork on the front of this thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe we can get a truss for cheap now. So I think we could. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel bad making that joke, man. It's, <laughs> I know, it, sorry. it's They're an easy target. They're an easy target because they are very expensive and now it's failed. Um, but I, I'm I'm sad about that, even, even though I didn't super get along with, with the product. It's we this industry would be real boring if everybody was just making the same thing so I don't oh know. yeah no i want everybody to be making wacky stuff in the garage it's great it's it's more like i want to open a box when it shows up something for me to test me like oh this looks weird i'm gonna go try it and then it's always a surprise i think that's i mean the grim donut proves to me people want to see different interesting things you know this is it's not normal it's weird uh it might not work it's probably not going to work but it it sure is interesting that's the worst ad copy I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> the Grim Dog. Everyone, buy our bike. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I definitely feel for for these guys. Like they, they came out there. I've spent a lot of time on that 130 millimeter travel message. I've ridden other linkage forks as well, and it did some really cool things. It did some things that were different. We should say maybe not as good, but yeah, first casualty. All right, so we got a little sneak peek of some ride impressions of the Grim Donut, but really the big question people want to know is where is that damn video? Do you have an answer for him, Mike? Uh, well, it's obviously everything is on hold right now with the corona and all the stuff that's going on. There's much more important things going on. Um, so, no, basically I don't have an answer for you guys right now, but I want to see this thing just as bad as you guys. I want to get it ridden. Uh, I want to film, and I want to make part two where we find out just how awesome this bike actually is. 100% awesome, I'm sure. Okay, that's it for the Pig Bike Podcast, episode two. Stay tuned for next week. More bike stuff.
I kind of liked it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, it worked. Yeah. yeah, more mics. Okay, up. Yeah, there you go. we're okay, good. Fine. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs>